Good morning. So when I was um, asked to read this particular scripture, um, it was kind of amazing to me because uh, my arms, my legs, my toes, I'm can, I can do pretty amazing things, but there's one particular part of the body that is more powerful than anything. It can convince uh, people to give themselves up on a, bas- on a basketball court, <laughs> on a football field, uh, go to war, and do all kinds of horrible and good things. And one of the crazy things I was able to do with my mouth is dupe Holly into marrying me because <laughs> back then I probably wasn't uh, the best candidate, but, you know, uh, it, it all turns around for good things. But the, pow- the mouth is a very powerful tool. And that's one thing that I believe James wanted to highlight in this chapter. So here we go. James chapter 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bites into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rubber wherever the plot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. Uh, Oh, yeah. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it sets on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. The tongue we praise with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse, um, we curse human beings. Let me make sure I'm on the right part. Who have, made, who have been made in God's uh, likeness? Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a group vine bear figs, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we, we honor your word, word to us. May our truth, truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. I'm going to grab that passage of scripture from you right there. Thank you so much. And uh, some pretty powerful words that are shared there from James chapter 3. I just wanted to kind of mention a few of those as we get into today's message. And if you have your Bibles, do go ahead and leave them open. Leave your Bible apps open if you can. Because it's very interesting as the Bible talks about it. It says, no man can tame the tongue. And when you hear those words, you're like, well, why are we even trying? Well, because I think what it says as well is... It says it corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. The idea there is, is that I, in my opinion, I believe what the Bible is saying there is if there's going to be a place that hell is going to get a foothold in my life, it's probably going to start right here. You know, I I mean, can I get an amen on that? Like I, it just happens that way. It's not that I want it to, but that is what happens because my mouth, which speaks, and keep speaking and all those things, even if you're not a person who says a lot, sometimes it's very hard to make sure that what you say builds up rather than tears down, that is positive and doing something good rather than doing something evil. And I would just venture to say, I would venture to say that if you are here today and you're a human being, you have had at least one time in your life where somebody said something that was so hurtful and so harmful to you that it was very, very difficult for you to shake. I I, I don't know if it's like you and me together in the the same boat, but I will say I remember a time where I was in eighth grade and a football coach said something to me about me in front of people, 
And it was one of the most humiliating things that ever happened in my life. Now, I love football. I actually used to play football uh, all throughout high school. I loved playing football, and I loved doing those things. I was, um, I was not ever demanded to go to any kind of school after my high school. Like, they didn't want to, you know, send me, or no, no college was saying, Randy, please, bring your five-foot-eight self, you know, and bring all that talent. No, it wasn't like that. But I was a decent player. Uh, and yet my coach dressed me down so hard in front of everybody when I was in eighth grade. And I don't know about you guys, but man, eighth grade was not kind to me. Can, can I get a name? Is there anybody else? Like middle school was a rough time. Like it was tough on me. And so in a moment of weakness, when I needed somebody to build me up, one of my coaches tore me down and he did it in front of everybody. It was really brutal. Tough spot, tough spot. And I think to myself, well, I of all people probably should learn to build other people up with my words, but I don't always do that. There's still a little bit of hell in my mouth, if that makes sense, what the Bible is saying here. I'm not trying to be edgy or anything. Set on course by the fire of hell because there's still that piece of my life and in my mouth that's not quite totally given over to the Lord. And so as we talk today about communicating and reaching those you love the most, we're going to talk about how we do that and how we reach those that we love the most. But we'll also look at this passage because honestly, James chapter three is a warning, like pretty much from start to finish. This entire chapter uh, section, this 12, 13, 14 verses is all just one big warning. And it's speaking very specifically to Christian people. Did you hear how many times at the end, um, as Paul was reading, it said, brothers and sisters, this should not be. Brothers and sisters, how can one spring produce fresh and salt water? Well, brothers and sisters means that he's speaking directly to who? Christians. So that means that just because you have given your heart and life to the Lord does not mean that God has every part of you. And it's very possible that God has a lot of your body, but maybe not all the way, the control of your mouth. And so as we talk about these things, I want to encourage you that, hey, these are warnings for us, and they're there for a reason. And I always talk about this, um, I'll mention this quite a bit. God never puts a warning in there if there's not peril. You know what I'm saying? Like, like ultimately, God doesn't say, hey, be careful that when you win a million dollars, you know, why? Because most of us are never going to win a million dollars. But when he says to us, be careful when your tongue gets away, gets away from the control that you have over it. Why? Because every single one of us have been there and done that. And even when we've been in control, we've had to make sure that we are diligent to keep that control. Are you guys with me so far? Okay, so this is all of us. This is a common thing. This is where all of us live. So let's talk a little bit about the ideas that we've been sharing over the last couple of weeks, as well as what we want to talk about today. And we'll be sharing from James chapter three. Let's go to our slide here. And this is Crucial Conversations. There's a book that I encourage you if you're interested or if you're wanting something from business, this is a great business book. And it's really a business book more so than a spiritual book, but it is very edifying and very powerful and can really change some things. But A Crucial Conversation, which they wrote the title after, is defined as one that has opinions that vary, it has stakes that are high, and it is one where emotions run strong. Now, most of those things that are listed in that list apply not only to things going on at work, but they also apply to things going on at home. Because as lovely and awesome as Shelly is, she's wrong sometimes because our opinions have a tendency to vary. And I tell her, hey, you can have that opinion as long as you're fine with being wrong. Y'all are like, oh, he's going to... Re- okay. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Shelly, thank God you're laughing, Shelly. Yes, this is good. We have different opinions. Doesn't mean she's wrong, doesn't mean I'm right or vice versa. It means that we are people and we're gonna have opinions that vary. And if you have kids, you have opinions that vary. Can I get an amen on that? Yes, you know why? Because they're kids. We're, they're gone, so we can talk about them. I mean, oh, I'm not supposed to be talking about them, am I? This is how it all folds back on each other. This is the truth. 
The truth is, is it's hard to be on the same page all the time. And stakes are high whenever opinions vary because, hey, I want to go this way, you want to go that way. And there's no clear-cut right answer. And then emotions start to run strong. And this is why it's hard to stay on the same page. Not because one is clearly wrong and the other is clearly right or vice versa, but this is what it is when we're dealing with human beings. Let's go to our next slide. Very quickly, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursings. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Again, it says what? My brothers and sisters... Can a fig tree bear olives and a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You see what he's saying? Whenever we glorify God and then turn around and curse other people because they're not agreeing with us or doing it the way that we would have them to do, or whenever we're out on the roads and sharing it with them and we say because we don't know them what an idiot they are, well, how can we be praising God and yet cursing the very thing that he has created and the people that he's created? Let's go to our next slide. As we look here, this is our something to learn. James, which was written by the brother of Jesus to first century believers, talks about the ways that our theology, what we believe about God, influence our practical living, how we daily live out what we believe about God. He speaks about how our tongue both reveals where we are now and where we are headed in our lives. I want to talk about that in just a second as we reread some of James in just a moment. But this is important because back then, it was all brand new. People who came to know Jesus did not know what it looked like when somebody lived out their Christian theology. They knew that Jesus was the Son of God, but what did that mean? And so James, just like Paul last week as we shared from Ephesians, he said, this is what it means in the theological, and this is what it looks like in the practical. When you read this passage of Scripture from James, it's really practical. It's telling you what to do and what not to do. It's what to watch out for. And whenever you see that thing, you know that you're not doing the things that God would have you to do. And so he says in that passage just we read just a moment ago, anytime we see ourselves praising God in one breath and turning around and cursing other people in the other breath, we know that that is not how it is supposed to be. You guys with me? Okay, so as we keep moving here, let's go to our next slide we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, and we can turn the whole animal. Do any of you guys have any experience ever riding a horse in your past? Can I see your hands? Any of y'all ever ridden a horse before? Believe it or not, I used to own one. Yeah, not, I mean, it was a long time ago. It was when I was a teenager. And do you know, it was an interesting thing. They have different kinds of bits. Did you guys know that? A bit is something that you literally put into the mouth of a horse and it kind of slides into their mouth and they have a curve in the bit. Like so it comes this way and then it goes up or it's very flat. The flatter it is, the less it digs into the roof of their mouth. Did you guys know that? Okay, so when you have a horse that is very compliant, you don't need a high curb bit. But if you have a horse that is not compliant, you need a high curb bit because whenever you give it a little tug, a horse that's hard-headed and not cooperative doesn't care. You need something stronger. Now, I didn't plan on doing this, but I'm going to do this real quick. I don't know if you guys can see this or not, but that scar right there is from a horse that threw me into a barbed wire fence. And I have longer ones and matching ones right here. And no, there's no way in the world I'm showing those to y'all today because I... All right, so you guys know. So I know what I'm talking about when I'm dealing with horses. Not that I'm a great horseman, clearly. I mean, I did get thrown into a barbed wire fence. Here's what happened. That horse took off and it was so strong-headed and strong-willed that I had the reins... And I literally was pushing the saddle horn this way and had the reins coming up like this and the horse still did not stop. Now, why does all this matter to you and to me? In God's word, it says that there are horses that have bits in their mouth that get turned from their direction in the way that we want them to go. Now, I'm here to tell you 
that maybe nobody else has ever told you, but some of you guys are high curb bit people. Your mouth gets you in big trouble and it hurts people even when you don't want it to. And I don't say that to be hammering on you, but I am telling you that if you are not careful, you might not think that you need that much control over your mouth, but your life might be telling you something different. Because the truth is, is that there are compliant horses and then there are horses that need something higher. And I will tell you, I'm gonna admit to you that I'm kind of a high curb bit horse when it comes to controlling my mouth. And it's not because I wanna be mean, it's because I never stop talking. And I keep talking, and sometimes if I keep talking, I've said something that I shouldn't say for wrong reasons. And I hurt people that I love for the stupidest reasons. So as I share this stuff with you, it's not to hurt you, it is to remind you that words have the power of death and life. I was writing in my, my journal in, in kind of journaling about James chapter 3, writing down Bible observations. And I accidentally typed in the word words. But guess what I typed it in as? Swords. It was an accident. And then I stopped and I laughed and I typed in. I accidentally just now typed in trying to say the word words, but instead it came out as swords. Do y'all see how close those two are? And when Jesus is telling us, you know, that we also need to commit ourselves to him top to bottom, mind, body, soul, spirit, that includes our mouths. <laughs> it includes all of these things. Consider what a great forest fire is set by a, saw, uh, by a small spark. So let's keep moving here. I don't want to spend too much time but our communication sets our life on a course. It sets the life of others on a course as well. Can I just say something real quick? I mentioned earlier that problem that I had during my football days. That thing that hurt me so bad made me a better man. I became a lot more concerned about the things that I shared. And the things that I said, I'm still not anywhere close to winning that battle. But sometimes we need to be reminded that the hurt that we can cause with our words is very, very, very powerful. And it is something that we really need to be careful about all the time. If you've ever been hurt by words, let it be not the thing that cripples you, but the thing that reminds you that you have the power of death and life in your mouth, as Proverbs says, and how important it is. We are, have already been here and already seen, but consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And can I say something? On the positive side, I've talked tons about the negative. Some of you need to be speaking into your kids as they grow from little to big, as they grow from big to teen, as they grow from teen to adult, they want to know what their life can be and can become. They want to know that you see something in them. And parent, grandparent, uncle, aunt, I have no idea what's going on in your particular family situation. But when you see a kid that's struggling, let your words be healing and life into their life. Because they need somebody. And every time you assume that somebody else is pouring into them, I'm telling you, you're missing the chance and you're probably wrong. You're probably wrong. For most of us, we assume they're getting it and they already know. But whenever we're on the receiving end or the lack of receiving end, we never have said to somebody, please don't compliment me. I've gotten enough of that. <laughs> please don't say anything kind or nice. No, I've had too much already. Nobody has ever said that, right? So pour into your kids, whether they're your nephews or nieces or your cousins or your grandchildren or whoever it might be, pour into them and give them that positive thing that they ache for. And can I say something? They're gone. This generation needs it more than ever. And it's not that they have harder things to deal with. They just have a dramatically different thing to deal with.
Can I get an amen that, thank God I was not on Facebook when I was a teenager. Can I get an amen? Like, my goodness, my, my funky teeth and all the things that I had going on. You know, like, I would have gotten all these comments like, my word, what do we got going on here, right? And, and the great thing about that is I didn't ever have to worry about what people said in the next town. There are literally things that our kids have to worry about not just the next town, but the next state or the next country or the next continent over, they're saying negative about our kids. Man, they need us to settle them and to help them and to give them a base. There's so much that you can do with your mouth. Ah, speaking of my mouth, I'm going to shut it and let's keep moving. Let's keep going here. Secondly, our communication has great power to destroy and tear down others. I've already talked about this, so I'm going to keep moving. And I believe the next thing is our video. Is that right? Okay, so this will make you smile. I've been hitting you pretty hard. Maybe this will make you smile. This is called Love Words, and I think you'll get a kick out of it. Let's check it out. Got it. She's gonna love it. Let's go. Whoa, well, how'd you find a card so fast? I'm a speaker of lady language. I hear their voices in my head, much like Beethoven heard music. No, I think it was just voices. Either way, I've got a card and you don't. I'm trying to find one with the right words. I just I can't find one that really describes how I feel. Here, this one. This one. This is the one. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, sugar is sweet and so is honey. I bought you this card because I had no money. <laughs> that is so you. No, it's not. Yes, it no, is. No, it's not. It's not me. What are you trying to say? I need a card that says, I don't deserve you. I never have and I never will. From the moment that I first saw you, I knew that I wanted to be with you, to know you, to understand you. I am humbled that you chose me. I have married out of my league and there's not a day that goes by that I don't recognize that fact. And I've never, I've never taken our vows lightly. What do I say to the mother of my children, my best friend, my soulmate? I love you can just sound so cliche and trite, but it's the only words that I know. I love you. I mean, that would be a card, you know? That would be a card that I'd want to buy. <laughs> What's the matter? What happened? Don't look at me. Okay, okay. Well, look away. I, I, I have one. What's the matter? It's like I'm a swimming pool, and your words are like cannonballs landing. Pull yourself together, man. Attention, everybody. We are in the presence of a true wordsmith. No, we're not. Allow his words to be the wings on which your cards fly. No, no. I want what he's having. Okay, we need to go. We need to go right now. I've got an idea. We'll get those cards that are blank on the inside, and we'll write your words on them, and then we'll give them to our ladies. But we have to write in calligraphy. I'm just going to take your card. Wait, wait, what was that part about the true uh, soulmates? I need a pen. I'm going to write this down. That stuff is gold. That'll give me a whole Sunday of football. I thought you might enjoy that, might bring a smile to your face. So real quickly, let's talk a little bit about kind of the words that we have, the words that we can share, and where we can go. If you guys remember, over the last couple of weeks, we've talked a little bit about the making the deposit in the emotional bank account, and then I drew that line there just reminding you that everything else is kind of when you're in the process of a difficult or crucial conversation but you can make those emotional bank deposits now beforehand and how important that is. Now, I'm going to talk in just a few moments about number two, but this is where we've been three, four, five, and six is where we were these last couple of weeks. We talked about starting with heart. Never stop reminding yourself what you really, really want. And this is very important because, for example, whenever you're in an argument, it's incredibly easy to shift from trying to maybe get on the same page and really reach that person 
to maybe winning the argument and it's very subtle and then suddenly you find yourself in that spot. It's resisting that fight, flight, or freeze impulse where you just kind of get up and leave or you start yelling or screaming or name calling or when you just shut down and you freeze where you're not in including anything in the conversation at all. And then that's rejecting the fool's belief whether you know that means, hey, it's either this or that and there's no other option. I have to speak up and kill them and crush them or I have to keep silent. Well, that's not true. That's the fool's belief. It's not either or. You can do something well and have a crucial conversation well. It's just difficult. And then we talked last week about reestablishing safety with that person and that safety first idea. We talked about how important it was for us to convey to them how much we respected them. And that word for safety is giving them back respect and bringing them back into the conversation. They will remain at distance unless you make them feel safe enough to come in and share those things in their heart. So let's go to our next slide and let's talk about this. When you need to reconnect with other people and you're not sure about it, those things that you are, are you know, communicating and you notice a fight, flight, or freeze impulse kick in for that person that you're speaking to, that is a sign that they do not feel safe and cannot bring something into the conversation. And in the book, Crucial Conversations, they ask the question, do they resort to silence or violence? You guys understand the idea of silence and violence? Like silence, we know violence is coming back hard at you and uh, screaming, yelling, name calling, all those different things. That is the way to, st uh, to stop and spot a need for a reconnection. Let's go to our next slide. If you guys remember last week, we shared a video. And in that video, there was a back and forth and it was a tough thing to watch. And then the woman got up and walked away, and as she was walking away, she threw a couple of lines back. They were not hurtful or harmful, but they showed that she had been hurt and harmed, and she was flight, you know, the flight thing was happening. She was leaving and not a part of the conversation anymore. So let's go to our next slide. Here is the big idea. Controlling your tongue begins with controlling your mind beforehand. And I wanna talk a little bit about that in relation to James chapter 3, as well as some things that we're going to be sharing. So controlling your tongue begins with controlling your mind beforehand. So if you guys will hang with me, this and this that seems a little disconnected are going to make a lot of sense in just a moment, if you'll give it to me. Okay, let's go to our next slide. We've got to change the stories that we tell ourselves whenever we are in a fight, flight, freeze in a difficult, crucial conversation. And this is important. You guys see that little line there? There's number one and number two. That means that these things can both be done before the argument erupts. Are you guys with me so far? Y'all with me? So in other words, if we can begin to make emotional bank deposits, then also begin to change the narrative that we have in our heads about those people, whether it's people we work with, our kids, people that we love, our extended family, people that we meet on the streets, people that we live on the street with, we begin to change the stories that we tell ourselves about them, then we can have a lot more patience when we are dealing with them. You guys understand what I'm saying? Okay, so let's keep moving here, how we communicate well. And there are stories that we tell ourselves, and this is life-changing stuff. If you guys will listen close, I'm not kidding. You guys know I don't say this all the time, but this is life-changing stuff. There is a story that we tell ourselves. We don't think about it in this way, but we tell ourselves that we are the victim. In other words, our intentions or motives are pure, so it can't ever be our fault. How many of you guys know that that is not true? There are a lot of us that have great motives and great intentions, but we still do things wrong. Now, I'm going to be real honest. When Shelly and I have had an argument, we did one time a long, long time ago, just once, right? She told me, she said, well, this is what you did. I said, I didn't intend to do that, so I'm in the right. 
that's not right. <laughs> Y'all know that's not right. Shelly, I guess I'm just admitting here, right here and now, just because my intentions were pure does not mean that I was in the right. And somehow I told myself in my mind that I was the victim and that I was the one who should be offended when the truth is, is what I had done was offend. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Is this too much truth for y'all? I mean, is this, it, it's hard. I don't want y'all to be uncomfortable. Shelly, we love each other, right? We talk about this stuff all the time, and we have come into this with an agreement that I'm going to be as honest with you guys as I can about our relationship, because your relationship is a lot like ours. That's it. So she's not, she's not awkward. She's not like, like oh, I'm not awkward. I mean, any more than normal, right? You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. We can tell ourselves we're the victim because of our intentions and motives being pure, but that doesn't make it okay. Here's the next thing that we sometimes tell ourselves, that they are the villain. We tell ourselves we're the victim and we tell others are the villain. I get along great with all the people at work, but they're all horrible people. You guys hear what I'm saying? It's easy for us to get in this mindset where we're the victim and they're the villain. Whether that's bosses, whether that's coworkers, whether that's subordinates or whatever it might be in your job, if you're not careful, you can tell yourself in your mind that they are the villain, you are the victim. Now, hold on just a second and stop for just a moment. If you're always the victim and they're always the villain, your life will never, ever change. You hear? Why? Because this story makes us feel good. It makes us feel right. We're the victim. They're the villain. Nothing will ever change. I say that not to discourage you, but to remind you that if you cannot ever say, I'm the villain in this story. You're the victim in this story. I've done something to you that I did not intend, but it hurt you and I am sorry. If you can never say that, then you will never get a different result in every one of your relationships. Here is the thing. As God's word reminds us that it is hard to tame our tongue, we should be reminded that we also have a difficult time taming the mouth in our mind. Because this thing makes decisions for us, tells us stories, and we act and react in ways that our mind has been set on. And then we wonder why we keep getting the same results over and over in every different circumstance. It's very hard. So we can't say that we're the victim or they're the villain every time without it hurting us. Let's go to our next slide. Have you guys ever thought about this? I'm moving a little quicker here. Action equals reaction. That means somebody slapped me in the face, it's on, right? Have y'all ever had that, that experience? Somebody slapped me, so it's on. You called me this name, it's on. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm talking about there? Or, or you said this about me, so there's no way I can do anything except for react in this way. Now, if you believe that action equals reaction, then you also will never be able to change your life. And can I say something real quick? Let's go to our next slide. How many of y'all hate this person? Now, be honest, we're just going to talk about hate. That person that cuts you off in the middle of Houston traffic, you're like, no, it is, it's fine. Absolutely. I mean, nobody else has a life but you. Please cut me off, right? And then we under our breath, rah, you know? We've had that experience, right? Where it's a struggle to keep our Christianity intact. Can I get an amen? All right. But have you ever had that happen to you and then you just went, you know what? I'm not going to waste my time on this. Not today, Satan. I'm not doing this, right? And so you just blow it off. Can I get an amen? You did it at least once. So action does not actually equal reaction. Action plus decision equals reaction. Now you and I decide. The struggle here is this is where our stories come in. The little stories in our mind. They come in right here in decision. 
you know, somebody does something to us and it hurts us and then we start telling ourselves the story. They're, they're the villain. They only did that because fill in the blank. I'm the victim here. I didn't do anything wrong, so it got, it's got to be their fault. But do you see here that action plus decision equals reaction? That puts the power back in your hands. That you are not a person obligated to attend every fight that you've been invited to. Can I get an amen on that, right? Like, I mean, people will invite you to fights all the time. And you don't have to go to every one. If you think you do, I pity you because that is a wearying and worn out kind of way to live. And every time somebody invites you to think less of yourself, you don't have to do that either. And I could go on and on and on down the list, but you have the decision when somebody says something about you, you can decide, do I believe that? Or do I not? Is that what God says about me? Or is it not? Is that something that will take me towards God's grace and goodness and let me display that in my life or is it not? Because truth be told, if action equals reaction, we're all doomed. But if action plus decision equals reaction, then it's back in our hands with the God who gives us the power to say every time that we're invited to something, we don't have to go and we can change our decision. And by changing our decision, we can change our destiny. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. If you guys believe that, can I get an amen on that? Amen. Now, I'm not saying that you're good at it. I'm not saying I'm good at it. But that is good news that at least there is hope for something other than just action versus uh, action equals reaction. Let's keep moving here. Let's keep moving. We tell ourselves we're the victim, that they're the villain, and that it was helpless. That's the fool's belief. Is either this or that is one of these two. That's the reason that we take no issue, uh, take no action to change any issues that we face. Let's keep moving here. These are stories that we tell ourselves. Here's what they say in the book. We take control of our stories. We won't be controlled by our stories. People who excel at dialogue are able to influence their emotions during crucial conversations. They recognize that while it's true that at first we're in control of the stories we tell, after all, we do make them up of our own accord. And then it goes on and it says these words, our next slide. Once they're told, the stories control us. They first control how we feel, then how we act, but it doesn't have to be this way. We can tell ourselves different stories and break that loop. In fact, until we tell ourselves different stories, we cannot break that loop. Do you guys understand what I'm saying about the idea of a story in your mind? Whenever you have a conflict with somebody, you don't give them the credit that you want to receive on your own. So we got to be very careful. Let's keep moving here. We are no longer the victims. We are the actors. So instead of telling ourselves that we're the victim, our intentions and motives do not excuse our lack of wrong action or the making of a wrong action. We take responsibility. If we do, we can change our life and God can help. Let's keep moving. Our next slide here, let's go to our next one. They are the villains. The truth of the matter is, is when we're telling ourselves stories about other people, they are usually good or evil. If they're doing what we want them to do, they are good. If they're not doing what we want them to do, they are probably some form and some level of evil. Why? Because it's easier to categorize them than embrace them and see that they are human beings just like us, that sometimes do the right things for the right reasons a lot of times do the right things for the wrong reasons and sometimes do the wrong things for the wrong reasons. And everywhere in between, we're real life people with real life lives and we can't say the flaws and motives of other people. Uh, they can't be the thing that decides everything for us. Let's keep moving here very quickly. And then every time we feel ourselves beginning to tell ourselves a villain story, ask yourself this question about that person. Why would a reasonable rational and decent human being say what they're saying right now or do what they're doing right now. Listen, in my life and in your life, when we live close to people, the things that they do wrong begin to build up in layers. And we don't want to talk about it, 
But until we forgive as Christ has forgiven us, those things get harder and harder and harder to overcome. That's why long marriages are hard and rare. Because as things have built up and there's not been forgiveness, it's been building and building and building for years and suddenly the weight crushes people's spirits and they're done. So it's hard. I get this. I understand this. You know this. I I know you get this. But we stop thinking good of other people and we categorize them as the villain rather than a human being. But if you can ever begin in the mouth and your mind to change and say, I believe that they are good, decent, and honest people who want good things in their life and probably even want something good in my life as well. If you can ever tell yourself that, it's a lot easier to find common ground and change that situation. Let's go to our next slide. You guys remember in last week's video that we showed, if you were here last week, you know, She leaves, as we mentioned. She takes flight. And he says, we used to think the best of each other. We used to think good of each other. I'm going to stop for just a quick second. And I'm going to say, if you have stopped thinking well and stopped seeing the good in the most important relationships in your life, Check yourself. Because if you don't, you will keep going down that road that is easy for all of us to go down. But you have to begin once again to say, you know what? They're decent, honest, positive people who want something good in their life and mine. I'm giving them no credit. I'm tearing them down in my own mind. I'm telling a story about them and about myself that is not accurate. I'm being influenced by a lie. And when that happens, it's a dangerous road to be on. I know there's a lot that I'm hitting you guys with today, and it's some heavy, difficult things, but I'm trying to warn you against a path that brings you nowhere you want to be. It's not because I'm upset or angry or frustrated with you. It's that I love you and I want best for you. And God's word tells us that we've got to change the mouth in our mind. We begin to change our story. And our kid, instead of being a screw up and a doesn't care and a a kid who can't uh, do anything right, we begin to say, well, maybe they're struggling to find their footing but I see that my kid is smarter than me. All three of my kids are smarter than me. I hate that, but it is true. Uh, Edit that part out of the YouTube video. I don't want them to know, right? So all, all three of my kids are smarter than me. Like, do I give them that credit or do I treat them like fools? You see what I'm saying? So we've got to tell ourselves the right story and we've got to think the best of them even when they're struggling in one or two areas. Let's keep moving here. Okay. Yeah, I already talked about this, the mouth and my mind, how to change your inner dialogue. I preached an entire message series um, on a book called Crash the Chatterbox back in 2017. Um, This is the story that I talked about. Okay, let's keep moving here. Um, It's preventable. (laughs) We talked about we're the actors, not the victims. We're human. They are human beings, not villains. And that things that happen to us are preventable, if not in that moment, then earlier, and that's why I was talking about the first and the second thing, making emotional bank account deposits and changing the story because let's be honest, when things blow up, you've already got a raging forest fire because you had all the wood already stored up. I'm going to say that one more time. And if you agree with me, y'all can say amen. The reason that you get a raging forest fire with a small spark like James wrote about is because for most of us, the stories in our minds have been telling us and we've already got the wood already at the site. And when the spark hits, it ignites because we have already been putting the wood in a pile. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, it's not just me. It's not just me. It is me, but it's not just me. All right, let's keep moving here. 
Okay. So what message are you sending to others when you communicate or don't communicate with them? And let me just throw this in there free of charge. Most of the time, we believe that silence is contempt, not love. When we are silent on something, people take that as contempt, not as love. So that's why I need to be reminding my kids constantly how I love them, how I want to tell the people that are important in my life that I appreciate them and that I love them. Why? Because I don't ever want their story to be told without my words having some impact. My words might not change their story, but I don't want to be silent and then go, I wonder why they think that. If I don't give them a word, if I don't change their mind in any way, shape, or form, or do a single thing to do that, then that's on me. I never want my kids to wonder if dad loves them or if he's proud of them. I never want that to be a concern. I never want my parents to wonder if I love them and respect them and appreciate what they did for me. I never want that to happen. Why? Because <laughs> I feel those ways. So I had best say those words. So the story in their mind that they choose, I cannot change, but I cannot fail to do what my part is. And that is to communicate with them how I do actually feel. Let's go to our next slide. How do you apply this message? It's the same one every single week. And I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to come forward. And they're going to sing a song that has been chosen um, for a specific reason. So guys, go, if y'all will come on up. But as we talk about this, this is the same thing that we have shared every single week. Write in the person that you need to reach and if you haven't reached to them yet, man, what are you waiting for? It's been three weeks we've been talking about the same thing, that you need to reach them and that you will commit to text them or send them a video or talk to them or call them or whatever it might be. Do that in some way to reach out to those that you love and that love you. It'll be an opportunity for you to set things in motion that could be incredibly positive. Now, I'm going to end with something I wrote. I told you I was kind of journaling from James chapter three, and I don't journal a lot. I kind of use more, it's really more Bible observations than that, but I had something that I want to read to you that I wrote back in 2016. I had the good fortune of speaking to my sister Marcy about what was going on in her world in the night of October 3rd, 2016. I went back and checked. It was a Monday night, just like I said. It was a Monday, and she and I were sitting in my parents' living room in Norman, Oklahoma. We're watching the TV tell us about the severe weather that's rolling into the Oklahoma City area. Man, Oklahoma weather's terrible, y'all. I'm just telling you. So they kept breaking into the television programming to talk about the 50-plus mile-an-hour winds, the golf ball size hail, and hook echoes that were showing up on the radar. If you are not from Oklahoma, you may not know what a hook echo is, but these are the things that things kind of hook around and that's the way that a tornado gets started. So if you look closely, you see more. That's where Shelly and I graduated high school. And like there's constantly tornadic activity in Oklahoma. And so when we're watching this thing on TV, we're watching this hook echo. And here's the deal. My sister Marcy works as the office manager or worked at that time for the Hudeberg Auto Group. She's the one who pays the bills transfers the titles, watches the budgets, does all the things that have to be done for the office portion of new and used cars in the uh, Hudeberg Auto Group, wherever they are. They have three dealerships, each one selling two lines of cars. She works in the Hudeberg Nissan and Subaru dealership where I-35 and 240 meet. That was a little different because they put in a new place. Here's the point. She was agitated and nervous. She told me why. She was really nervous about the storm system as it blew in because there was an upper management individual who was very frustrated with the insurance company because they raised their rates. We can all identify with that in 2023. That person in the heat of their anger said to the insurance representative, just know that as you raise my rates, you will never get another dime from any of our dealerships. Y'all know where this is going? Later, that individual that made that rash statement, started calling around, and he was shocked to find out how competitive and, as a matter of fact, how frugal those rates were that he had been given. 
He couldn't find anyone close to those rates, but he had already said to them, just know, you'll never get another dime from our dealership. So, now that he found their way cheaper, guess what he wanted to do? Picked up the phone and called and said, ha ha, didn't really mean it. In short, his mouth had written a check that he did not want to cash. After doing the research, the turn of the calendar from September to Monday, October 3rd, was that morning he made the phone call and the people that he talked to in the insurance company, guess what they told him? We will sign you back, but we will sign you back starting tomorrow, 12 p.m., or pardon me, 12 a.m. on, starting on Tuesday morning, 12 a.m., all of the severe storms and tornadoes and hail and all the things that they were predicting was blowing through Oklahoma City from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. on October 2nd. So here's what had happened. As those cars were sitting on the parking lots in all of those dealerships, they were sitting there uninsured. Hundreds of cars per lot waiting for a storm to blow through and uninsured. If hail came, it could mean millions of dollars in damage. All because one man said, you'll never get another dime from any of our dealerships. My sister has worked in Oklahoma for a long time. She's gotten insurance checks over $800,000 to deal with the insurance problems that they've had and hail damage and all the different things. And as things continue to go up, I promise you this was a million-dollar conversation. Now, let me ask you this question. Here's what I wrote at the end. It reminds me of how often we say things that later we wish desperately we could take back. But the truth is, is that we are often helpless and simply have to write out the consequences for the words that we have said. The wisest thing that we can choose to do is to learn little by little, bit by bit, piece by piece, to control our mouths before we allow our mouths to control our lives. Now, we're going to sing a song called Graves into Gardens. God spoke into a grave and turned it into a place of victory when it was nothing but a place of defeat. I am not ending this message without you hearing the truth that God can restore things that your mouth has undone. But most of the time, it is done not for us, but through us. And so if you have been a person who needs to go back and make that reconnection do it and let God add his power to it. But you can't sit there and say, everything's got to change and I'm just going to wait on God to do it all. That's not how it works, my friend. For most of us, if we can begin the dialogue, if we can begin the communication, God will honor and bless that. But he is waiting for us to decide. No man can tame the tongue. It is true. But that doesn't give us carte blanche to not give it over to him and allow him to work.